Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. The reading today is from, the, uh, from John's Gospel, chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In God's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way to the place that I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to Abba God except through me. If you know me, you will also know Abba God. From now on, you do know God and have seen God. Philip said to him, Lord, show us Abba God and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen God. How can you say, show us Abba God? Do you not believe that I am in God and God is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but Abba God who dwells in me does God's work. Believe me that I am in God and God is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to Abba God. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that God may be glorified in me. If in my name you ask me anything, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It is so good to be with you guys again. Last time I was here, we were in the Heritage Chapel, and when I left, I kept telling everyone about how much I loved that little chapel. It just um, gave me all the warm fuzzies. And so when uh, Ashley texted me a few weeks later and said, hey, I'm going to be out of town, and we want you back, I was so excited because I really loved my time with you guys. So thank you for that. And I also really love the sermon series that you guys are doing, this wishing, hoping, praying. Uh, And so, obviously, the first week, you guys discussed how creation is groaning and longing, especially during a season like this, when you're longing for normalcy in a world where normal no longer exists. Uh, And last week, you discussed praying and saying unsayable things to God. And let me be honest, I'm thrilled I didn't get that passage with all of its talk of dashing children's heads on rock and infanticide. (laughs) And so as we continue on this topic of longing, I'm really thankful I get to talk about a longing that has been very frustrating for me lately. And that is longing for God, 
and specifically longing for God's felt presence. So for the last two years, um, I have been punctuated by a particular brand of spiritual angst. Uh, In my early 20s, I was very spiritually active. I felt very aware of God's presence and God's comfort and God's direction in my life. I feel like I knew what I was doing and where I was going and that God was going with me. And then I turned 25 and a pandemic hit and suddenly, whoosh, I was plummeted into something very different and into some very unfamiliar territory. And I think that when we experience this feeling of God's absence, uh, this sudden feeling that God is no longer present with us, the sudden removal of things that once got us, brought us great comfort about God, um, and this feeling that we aren't guided by God anymore, when this happens, We often blame ourselves, and we wonder what we did wrong that would bring about such a terrible time. And this often results in us doubling down and trying harder, uh, which then results in our burnout and our frustration and sometimes bitterness and resentment towards God when it's just not working. I'm very lucky, though, that I had people near me who saw me struggling with this spiritual angst and helped me understand this wild idea that maybe this painful longing for God that I was experiencing was not actually a punishment, but quite possibly a gift. And it's a gift because it's the manifestation of mutual longing between God and me. And so now we will turn our attention to the 14th chapter of of John's gospel, also God's gospel. Here we see Jesus giving his upper room discourse, or as I like to call it, his last lecture. It's his final sermon of all the things he really wants those closest to him to remember. And this is the opener. He says, I'm going away so I can prepare a place for you, that you may be where I am, and also you know the way to this place that I'm going. And there's a lot, in, uh, there's a lot going on in those first few verses. Uh, But something that I think is very clear in these verses is Jesus is longing to be with his people, to be with us. And this makes a lot of sense to me because Jesus was there with Abba God and the Spirit at the beginning of creation. And it was out of the love between these three, out of the overflow of the love and affection of the Trinity, that we were made. We were made out of love. We were made in love. We were made from love. So of course it makes sense to me that Jesus longs to be with us. And in fact, it appears from his words that his longing for us is what's causing him to go away. In his words, so that you may be where I am. And as we continue on in this passage, we almost get a sense of panic from the disciples. Thomas says, Lord, we do not know. We don't understand where you are going. How can we know the way? And then we see Philip dealing with his Lord leaving, and he spouts off the thing that would just bring him the most comfort. He says, Lord, show us, Abba God, and we will be satisfied. It will be enough. These are words of people who are troubled by Jesus' declaration of impending departure. They're longing words. They're confused words. 
but something that we didn't quite see, that they don't see and that oftentimes we don't see and that I don't know in my head, but I'm still trying to learn in a deeper way, is that God hasn't really left. God has not abandoned. God is just doing something different, interacting in a new and an unfamiliar way with us. That's why I said, I chose my words very carefully earlier, that's why I said I was plummeted into something different. It's a different way of being with God, and when we recognize it, we can allow it to be a beautiful type of sorrow rather than a dangerous sorrow that festers and boils into resentment. And this moving into something new is beautiful. And we can see it. We can see the beauty of it in Jesus' response to his friends. To Thomas, Jesus says, you do know the way. What an affirmation. Even though Thomas doesn't realize it, he actually does know exactly where Jesus is going. And he knows exactly how to get there because Jesus is the way. And Thomas knows Jesus. To Philip, Jesus says, you have seen Abba God. Philip had seen Abba for three years. He just didn't realize it. It reminds me of Jacob after Jacob wrestles with God and he says, surely the Lord was in this place and I did not know it. So why don't we know it? During these times of God's silence, during pandemics, during personal and societal turmoil, why don't we know it? Why am I still figuring this out? <laughs> and I've come to accept that I will surely be figuring it out for many, many years. And I think, though, ultimately, it's because we have a very difficult time interacting with God in new and unexpected ways. Um, so as Emily said, I'm a student at the Renovare Institute for Christian Spiritual Formation. It's a two-year program, and we have four, wait, no, yeah, four week-long residencies that are held in Phoenix, Arizona. And we spent uh, our first residency recently, at the very end of September, at the Franciscan Renewal Retreat Center. It's one of my favorite places ever. If you're ever in Arizona, make your way on over. Uh, and one of the reasons I love uh, Arizona is because when, in the Bible, when people go into the desert, they often go to worship and to learn and to be with Abba God. And so at this retreat center is something called a prayer labyrinth. Uh, and for those of you who are unfamiliar with the idea of, of a prayer labyrinth, basically it's, a, it's a kind of like a maze, usually laid into the ground with rocks. And uh, the difference, though, between a maze and a labyrinth is that there's only one way in and one way out. And there's no wrong turns, thankfully. Uh, and my husband loves labyrinths. He's actually a facilitator, a certified facilitator of labyrinths. So I have done my fair share of them. Um, <laughs> in the, but despite the fact that this labyrinth was literally on the property, even though it was definitely a little out of the way, kind of in the middle of the desert, I had a week and I didn't do it. I felt like maybe I should, but I just, I don't know, I just didn't want to. But on our last night, I felt God urging me to go to the labyrinth. And though I can be quite a rebellious person, I want to remind you, I have not felt God's urging in quite a while, so I decided it was best for me to go. But the only problem was that it was 11 o'clock at night and the moon was only a waxing crescent, which means that there was only about 35% of the moon illuminated that night. I checked, 
I went on Google and I checked. <laughs> also, we didn't have our phones. They had been confiscated for spiritual purposes. And I also didn't have the good sense to bring a flashlight. And so I told God, how am I going to see? <laughs> and I didn't really get an answer, but I still felt this urging. And so I walked for probably half an hour trying to find the dang thing. Because uh, even though I knew where it was in the light, I did not know where it was in the dark. And like I said, it's definitely kind of out there. But I finally did. And while I struggled to find it, uh, I made a really amazing discovery that even without a flashlight and without my iPhone, there was just enough, uh, just enough light to walk by. I couldn't see what caused the rustling in various bushes. Um, I didn't know if that weird feeling on my leg was a scorpion. <laughs> and I couldn't tell if that object moving towards me was a tumbleweed or a particularly murderous coyote. But I could see a few feet in front of me, and that was all I needed. And so in light of the fact that I have been going through a particularly uh, dark, spiritual, and silent time, as I've been stumbling around in the dark, um, I was kind of an emotional mess as I finally found the labyrinth and began walking it. And it was the most powerful labyrinth I have ever walked. And my husband was a little bitter that it wasn't a labyrinth he facilitated. <laughs> It was powerful, even though I could barely see. Because the last few years, I've been sitting in the dark, praying with Abba God, or praying for Abba God's presence, longing for that presence. And in this one moonlit light, it's like I looked over and I saw Jesus praying alongside me, wanting the exact same thing, my presence. And the light has not magically turned back on these last few weeks. It's still quite dark. Maybe even less than 35% of the moon is illumined. And even in this passage, we don't really get the sense that the disciples are comforted by Jesus' affirmation. In fact, uh, in the chapters that follow during his crucifixion, they mostly run away. And when all is said and done and Jesus has died, they hide in the city. But eventually... They get used to walking with Abba God in this new way. And somehow, this new way of being with God, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, sparks a faith that takes over the Roman world in just a few centuries. And that's why it's beautiful. It's transformative. It's different. But it's still beautiful. And so the question I have for myself mostly, but also maybe for you, is what do we do when we don't know what to do with our longing? I am a fellow learner. I'm very young. I hopefully have a long walk on this earth with God ahead of me. But something that has comforted me in the darkness is Jesus' words. You do know the way to where I'm going. You have seen Abba God. There is just enough light to see by. I don't know what to do with my own longing. And so I am learning to trust in God's longing for me. I'm learning to trust that Jesus really does want me to be where he is. Walking in the dark indeed is different 
than walking in the light, but it's still walking with Jesus wherever we are. And people often interpret this passage as Jesus going to prepare a place for us in heaven. And I don't disagree with that. But I think that when we focus too much on this interpretation, we overlook the idea that Jesus is going to prepare a place for us in our own hearts. He talks about this uh, a little more later in the chapter, actually a lot more later in this very chapter, when he discusses the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says that not only will the Holy Spirit abide in us, but so will the Father and the Son. It's actually one of my favorite lines, top 50 in John's Gospel. Jesus says, and we will make our home in you. It's incarnation. It's God with us. It's the name of God, Emmanuel. And so I walk not only so that I can walk in heaven one day, but just for the simple joy of walking right now with the Trinity. This Trinity whose love from which I was made, whom I belong to and I am most at home with, whether the light is on or off. So this terrible season of life, and if, if it has been anything uh, for you like it has for me, uh, longing for God, feeling like you're stumbling around, not knowing if that object coming towards you is a tumbleweed or a vicious coyote. <laughs> I hope that what I am learning can be even just the smallest bit of encouragement to you. That longing for Abba God's presence is not indicative of God's absence, but just a new way of being with the Trinity. A new way of being that I, I suspect is more tender and gentle than when we walk with God in the light. Because our longing can be an invitation to see Abba God's deep longing for us and an invitation to deeper and more trusting love. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.